Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. And Joe Judge is fired. Justin, I'm pretty shocked at this. And, you know, we talked about it on the Dave Gettleman is Gone podcast, and we thought Joe Judge would be back. I held out, like, some possibility that the new GM would come in, but I just didn't think it would happen. But I I am 100% didn't think it would happen before the GM search, Justin. I'm, I'm pretty shocked at this news, and we'll get into the the pros cons and what's happening what comes next but i i was shocked to see that news i think it took four years and two days for john Merritt to fully get that he's at rock bottom and i include the two days as monday tuesday you know joe judge was fired tuesday evening so four years and two days for john Merritt to really get that his franchise, his team, the New York Football Giants are truly at rock bottom. And at least as of right now, it looks like they're embracing of rebuilding and doing things the right way with the sound process. That's the first thought that I have. And that's worth getting very excited for. And, you know, I'm, we're going to talk about why he should have been, you know, why would Joe Judge have been fired? We'll repeat the takes I've had since, you know, Bef- you know, before halfway the point of this season, I'm sure everyone's heard my point. My point about the not the cycle with the GM and head coach. I'm sure you guys are tired of it by now. But I will say is the Giants are interviewing some awesome GM candidates right now. Some awesome ones. You know, they just added Joe Horitz, you know, from the Ravens, who may be the very best one. Joe Shane, we're both excited about. Which yesterday on you know which uh, Monday Tuesday's show that we had, I said Joe Horitz is not going to be a candidate. I I said that because I did not think now. He may not accept the interview. This is just a request to interview, but that's still TBD. But I don't even think the Giants were going to request to interview him. Um, so good, good for the Giants, you know. Adam Peters from the 49 Like these are some really good candidates. And again, they still have to make the right decision. But like this, this they're spreading a wide net. But I'll be honest, I wasn't ex- excited about that. You want to know why? Because Joe Judge was still looming. And I just did not think going into this GM search with him looming there didn't, would make the GM search not as effective. Because that decision being on the GM to come in and the first thing and either keep the the, the head coach for one year and do a Vic Fangio system or, or you know situation or fire him. I was just like, man, I just feel like it's going to mess up. We might not get a, can- a candidate that we want, might not take the job. I just didn't think it was or – they, or they might keep Joe Judge because they feel the pressure and they do want the job. So – that's what I'm excited about is we can get the best GM candidate and let him make the decision on head coach. And that's what's something that I was getting bothered by is the, we'll let the GM decide on Joe Judge. It's like, you know what? If Joe Judge was fired by the Jets uh, on Monday and had the same exact, everything just copy and paste it from what happened with the Giants to the Jets, he wouldn't get interviewed by the new GM. So you're, you're, let, you're already pitting like, hey, this is the number one candidate we have is this guy in the building. And let the GM decide. You know what the GM probably wants to decide on? His own guy. And now hopefully we get the GM hire right and we can get the head coach hiring right by letting that GM make the decision. Yeah. And these are good candidates that should get that right. That should get that right to decide their own head coaches. I mean, they, they've they been waiting in the wings. Uh, You know, Joe Shane's been the assistant GM for the Buffalo Bills since 2017. Um, Adam Peters has been... Uh, the, uh, the vice president of player personnel since 2017, but at the start of 2021, he was the assistant 
uh, GM for the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Horitz. He's been a guy, he's been a name that's been circulating around league circles for a couple years now, too. These guys deserve the right to hire their own coach, and odds are I think those three are the most qualified, they're the most hyped-up names, but even if it winds up being another name, a guy that, you know, the Giants have requested an interview, whether it be from the Cardinals, um, you know, they've requested a few other guys, so whether it be winds up being one of them, then those guys deserve the right to name their head coach, and the statements that the Giants have put out, John Mayer, Steve Tisch, that the GM is going to be leading the head coach process, that's the statement that they put out, Tonight, and then going back to the statement of when Dave Gettleman retired, we want somebody who's going to control player personnel, scouting, and coaching. Those three phases, the most important phases of a franchise, we want the general manager to control that. And with letting go Joe Judge, it shows that they're actually committed to that. We will see. We shall see. Eventually, time will tell if they actually are committed to that or if they're going to meddle again. And, like, for example, a guy like uh, Monty Austinfort, who... <clears throat> you know, won't be on my top three list for GM candidates, but who's to say he's not the right guy? You know, it's not always the obvious one who ends up being the best one. We see that over and over in the NFL, whether it's GM, head coach, quarterback, whoever. But if the Giants had kept Joe Judge and hired Monty Austinford, it just would have had a, it would just would have left a bad taste yeah. in my mouth. You want to know why? Because those guys were close in New England. Yep. They worked together in New England. Joe Judge was a part of personnel moves in the draft in New England. And not just like from what we hear, like they even had like, you know, I was watching their uh, "Do Your Job" like uh, you know, like uh, series they did in that off season. Like, they were no, like, like both it, the stars of it. Yeah, so it was <laughs> like maybe he's the right guy, but it's like I'm gonna be a little worried because that seems from the outside looking in, it's like okay, they got this guy because he seemed like he'd work with. And Judge that's something the best. I said during the regular season. I think we, you know, we had a mailbag pod, and I'm like the the fans, even if they do bring in the best guy, just like you said, Bobby, even if they bring in the best guy. The fans are just going to be like, nope, don't trust it. Don't think it's going to work. You know, really, uh, I think uh, Big Baby David, the you know one of the you know the lead producers for for John Boy Media, and he the quote tweet of the Talking Giants tweet that we had of Joe Judge is fired. He said bullying works, and I think I've seen a lot of other people say the same thing about we did it, like we we did this at fans. And in my brain, in my logical brain, I'm thinking that's such like a silly take of like how the fans bullied John Merritt into like not promoting Kevin Abrams and firing Joe Judge but I kind of think it's true <laughs> which is bizarre you're I'm muted Bobby. bullet point I'm writing down a bullet point because Dougie Fresh made a good uh point in in uh in the chat for later so but we are what how how far are we into this pod almost 10 minutes into this podcast right now Justin yeah and the head coach was fired, and we really haven't talked about the head coach yet. Yeah. And I think the reason why Joe Judge is fired is because of this excitement we've had in these past eight minutes. Because taking a hot seat head coach, and I've said this take a million times now, you're probably tired of it. It'll be the last time you hear it, so savor it, people. Taking a guy on the hot seat, dangling him over the flames, and then pairing him with the new GM was just never going to work. Like what? What was what was the best case scenario next year? Win seven, eight games. You know, is that is that enough for Joe Judge? Like the new GM is going to want his own guy. The new GM will want his own guy, and to screw up that cycle would would just it it would just I, w I wouldn't yeah. be able to get excited about the new GM. What this is really about, Bobby, and a lot of people have been saying this for four years now. What it's really about, Bobby, is committing yourself to rebuilding the football team and rebuilding it the right yes. way. That's what it's about. And, it, you know, the Giants have tried to do it, but you can't be half pregnant. You can't be half pregnant. And that's a saying that the Michael K. Show has, has said for years, and I love it. And the Giants for years have tried to do it half-ass, and they've tried to be half pregnant. And it goes back to 2018. Eli still has a step. Saquon Barkley can fix the team, overpaying for Nate Solder despite... You know, you have to turn on the film and football people have to see that he's just not a very good football player. Alec Ogletree misses a lot of tackles. You're trading away JPP, but you're adding on another guy and more cap and giving away, giving away picks for Ogletree. All these ass-backward things that they did, especially in 2018 and 2019, to not fully embrace that you needed to tear things down. And now it seems like they have an opportunity 
to do so. By getting the GM, getting the head coach in the cycle, you are committing to a process that says, you want to know what? In 2022, we may not be all that great, but we're going to continue to acquire assets. We're going to come in with the understanding that 2022 may not be great, whereas in years past, 2018, by the moves that they made in the offseason, they said, we're expecting to do something. 2020, especially, you look at this year, 2021, we're expecting to do something. And all of those years have been flawed, and all of those approaches have been flawed. And they're saying that we are committed to doing something different, and I'm sorry I'm ranting, but you look at teams like the Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, even take the Eagles this year as an example. Football teams that have committed themselves to a process that have looked at themselves in the mirror saying, we need some sort of substantial change. They've committed to that process. They've committed to a vision. And they turned things around a lot more quickly than a lot of people thought. Buffalo Bills, John Lynch with the 49ers, and then the Eagles this year with zero cap space. Zero cap space. Giants, Giants cap situation is bad. Eagles cap situation is pretty bad too. Trading away Carson Wentz. You know, la di la di la. So now they have three first round picks this year, pretty much almost back to back to back, and they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs with a quarterback that they probably don't even want and they don't even like. Commit to a process, which I think they hopefully will do. Things will turn around hopefully a lot more quicker than we think. And Joe Judge being here, going into his third season on the hot seat, would have hurt that process. And, you know, something to say, well, worst case scenario, the season doesn't go well next year, you fire Joe Judge. That was the least of my worries, Justin. Worst case scenario was this offseason. Because guess what? Joe Judge on the hot seat might not want to trade Saquon Barkley because that's going to hurt. That might hurt the short yeah. term. Joe Judge was a big part of trading down in 2021. I don't know if he wants to trade down in 2022 with his job on the hot seat. He's yeah. like, I want my Rayshon Slater. I want my Micah Parsons. I don't, you know, I'm playing for the short term. Like, this is my job on the line. And that would have hurt it. And that, again, that is the, that to me is by far the biggest reason why Judge had to go because, because Dave Gettleman went. That is why. And we can talk. We're going to talk about what we disliked about Judge, and the era is over. But I'm also, you know, we on the podcast for today, we spent 20 minutes on why Dave Gavin was a bad GM. We probably spent 10 to 15 minutes about why John Mayer not uh, why uh, John Mayer keeping Joe Judge is bad. We maybe spent five to 10 minutes on Joe Judge just as a coach because I do think he was out of those three the least of the worries, and I think that ends up being. Joe Judge's uh, fatal mistake was joining, first of all, just a bad GM and owner and John Mayer and Dave Gettleman. Maybe John Mayer could turn around and he'll be our hero once again. But joining that and also joining Dave Gettleman on the hot seat because I th- that that was his biggest mistake is because um, I think the pros for Judge are the list of those are longer than the cons. Now, the pros weren't as pro enough to keep him around, didn't deserve to come back. Um but I do think his biggest mistake was, you know, saddling up to Dave Gettleman and and John Mayer, yep. who, you know, Dave Gettleman was on the hot seat. And in turn, that means Mayer was on the hot seat. Can't be fired, but, you know, felt felt the heat is what I'll say. Yeah, I know we poo-pooed on Judge, rightfully and deservedly so, um, throughout the season. But, man, I, I can't lie. And I have to acknowledge that 2020 was a real thing, man. 2020 was a real thing. I don't regret my excitement about him. Now we no. weren't going like nuts saying like he's like snacks or like this he's this guy's he's Tom Coughlin, Bill Parcells, you know. <laughs> but like we had very real excitement and I don't regret it. You know? I don't regret my excitement for Joe Judge in like going into this season. And I there were tw- there was twice during last episode and you know I'm the editor and I'm the producer of the show and I purposely kept this in there where we I try to edit when we talk on top of each other Bobby. But there were two times where I blurted out, I want to like Joe Judge last episode, twice. And you were talking, and I left it in there intentionally. And that still stands. I want to like Joe Judge. And honestly, now that he's now that he's fired, I'm going to remember him. <laughs> I'm going to like him a little bit more now, now that he's not here. Uh, and I like him to- more than the last two head coaches. I I do. I, Even though I, I like Shermer's offense better, I like him more than I do the last two head coaches. I, I really do. And that's I, in the I, emotions of wanting him gone today. Yeah, yeah. I, I I want to like Joe Judge, and I am going to remember 2020 fondly, and he really did get a really bad 
bad deal between Gettleman. He wanted Jason Garrett gone, and I'm sorry, the most important thing in the NFL is offense. And when you're, that's why Joe Judge is fired. He had an opportunity to present his plan for the offense to ownership, and I guess the Monday meeting didn't go according to plan. I don't exactly know how that went, and we don't really. If he truly wanted Kevin Abrams, I actually think that might have been the nail in the coffin for John Mara. You know, I I don't know, but it but it doesn't matter. The fact is, is that the offense was bottom of the barrel, uh, worse than the National Football League for for two years running. I mean, it was the Jaguars and the Giants that have had the the and the Jets have been you know three of the worst offenses the last two years in football. And when you're joining those teams in any kind of category, you know that that something's not good, and you gotta and you gotta make some changes. So that's what it comes down to the bottom line. But the most important. You you say it's the second most important position in football behind quarterback. I say it's the third. I say it's quarterback, left tackle, then offense coordinator. But uh, we both view offense coordinator as an extremely important position in the game of football. And you know Joe Judge didn't get to choose his offensive coordinator, and that is the thing that has stunk. And John Mara meddling in that he got a raw deal. He got a raw deal. Things can be true. Things can be true. Joe Judge failed as a head coach and still does not deserve to come back in 2022. And he also got a raw deal. Both of those things can be true. Yeah. And I want to, you know, I want to finish the episode off of like, you know, saying what I think the pros, but he is fired. So I do want to talk about um, the cons and here is just like overall big picture business. They won 10 games in two seasons. And this isn't Vic Fangio with the Broncos where Vic Fangio's defense balled out. And his offense was mediocre with mediocre players and a mediocre And he won some games post. too. He has a couple yeah. seven win seasons. Might have might have made the playoffs, you know. So if they, like Vic Fangio had an argument to really keep his job, where Joe Judge doesn't really have a real argument to keep his yeah. job. Especially, you know, it'd be one thing if it was the third year in the GM and the third year of the head coach. Um, and you like like if we had the third year of a GM and Joe Judge, I would look at the 2020 and 2021 offseason. I would look at the injuries this year, the Jason Garrett, and I'd be like, "No, we need to, we need to ride this thing out at least for one more year, keep them together." But that's not the situation with with Gettleman. No. So here's the things with Joe Judge, and I will say, you know, I always said that this decision should have been made before kickoff Washington. That QB sneak stuff from Joe Judge is the worst thing I've ever seen him do in game. There's there's never been a worse decision he has made in game than those QB, and maybe just in general than those QB sneaks. It's one thing if when you they are backed up at the one or the one or the two, and doing it, but to do it on third and nine and you have four yards of space and you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield, you gotta expect that you can get more of that. And I get like you know, buying time for the punter and stuff, but to me that was just it was just weak and not believing in your team. The fourth down stuff, man, for a guy who is not calling plays and that's a negative of two, not bringing anything to, as calling plays. You have to be more aggressive in those things. This isn't Sean McVay where his offense balls and he can afford to be conservative. Or a guy like Brandon Staley who should be a little more conservative because he has that offense. Um, so like that type of stuff. Overvaluing special teams when it comes to personnel. Like we give uh, Judge credit for personnel moves. Like he overvalued special teams, whether it was trading for Keon Crossan, drafting Gary Brightwell, um, keeping two fullbacks on the roster with Colin Gillespie, Nate Ebner. Like he overvalued special teams. Um, and the special and and the special teams weren't even all that great either. You know, been one thing if we had just a dominant special teams unit that was just giving us an advantage every single week. We really didn't have that. They were ranked 11th in DVOA this year. I don't even know how that's calculated, to be honest. Like for special, yeah, I don't teams. know how anyone like ranks special teams, but it. <laughs> I guess people do. Um, and I mentioned he didn't bring anything to the game. The the to the in game, he didn't call plays. And when you're winning and your coordinators are right, that's awesome. But you didn't, and, you, and your offensive coordinator is broken. And Jason Garrett being fired was the right thing, and Jason Garrett being here is what did him in, and we'll talk about that in a second. You mentioned some points to it. Hopefully I don't sneeze right now. But I hope you do. Freddie Kitchens wasn't ever going to be his OC, but the Freddie Kitchens offense wasn't good. And Mike Glennon shouldn't have looked that bad. I was listening. Coward had a clip because he talked with somebody who like played the Giants, you know, a defense coach, and he's like, "That's the worst offensive line I've ever seen. They have four backups and then one good player in Andrew Thomas. Like the worst. Like so, it screwed him. But just the offense was pitiful under under Freddie Kitchens, and it shouldn't have looked that bad. And again, Mike Glennon had career worse in every single category 
by far. Mike Lennon put up 20 plus points uh, either two or three times in five starts with the Jaguars, who had the worst, who had a worse offense than us this season. Um, so it shouldn't have looked that bad. And and I and I do think Judge fired Garrett, which was the right move. And then when, with DJ going down and it getting bad, I don't think he knew how to handle that well. I don't like I, he, these last three weeks, you know, have been handled very bad offensively. Like they just looked lost, and it was it was embarrassing. He barely knew how to handle Daniel Jones when he was healthy. And we talked all all last year in 2020. Now, granted, it's an offense court. It's it's a battle between offense coordinator and head coach. But even when Daniel Jones was healthy, didn't know how to manage him, and you know, with not throwing the ball deep at a consistent basis, despite him being a very efficient deep ball passer not being able to replicate or continue to find the, whatever success they had towards the beginning part of the season where they were producing yards, not finding ways to be effective in the red zone. I mean, these are all these are all things where, you know, even if Garrett is a bad coordinator, like, yes, and this is your, can't believe I'm saying this, right? Well, even if Garrett's a bad coordinator, it's still on the head coach where in certain situations, you got to be able to find a way to coach these guys and execute, and they just didn't in key areas. The thing is, is those guys battled. And it's, I don't know why. I know we're giving John Mayer credit today. I just don't know why. And, and Gettleman has a role in this too. Year one, forcing him on it's not a good decision, but okay. Year two, four, I mean, they didn't, they they were at wit's end. Joe Judge came to, you know, almost came to blows with the offensive line coach who was Mark Colombo. You know, I, I listened to the Coward clip and it's not, I, I don't care about Colin Coward's opinion, but he is, he is friends with Jason Garrett like he said it on, on his show um, a few times and he said Jason Garrett was at wit's end with him and Joe Judge was at wit's end with him so it was a it was a horrible working relationship it was a horrible arranged marriage there, there was a, a marriage that was arranged and it was horrible yep. and I really do think if if Joe Judge gets his pick at offensive coordinator I think Joe Judge is either here or me and you can't stand Joe Judge like there's not this mid there's not this middle ground like it's either like we are very clear, like just Joe Judge as a coach, not as the situation with the GM cycle and all this stuff. It's either like no, he flat out doesn't deserve to be a head coach. Yeah. Or 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 we're or we're fighting for this guy and saying look what he did with this bad offensive line and a banged up you know inju- injuries and all those things, you know. Yeah. When you especially when you look at the GM candidates that we're requesting to interview right now. Um, one of the th- questions that I'm look that I'm looking at is, does he use analytics? Do they use analytics? And for two that I've done so far, Adam Peters and Joe Shane, the answer has been yes. And the next guy that I'm doing is Joe Horitz. The yeah, Ravens they, they have use been, analytics. <laughs> the Ravens have been bullish on using analytics versus some teams try to some teams try to play a little poker where it's like, oh, we we don't want to let you know what we're using. So those two guys have used analytics and. The fun thing about Adam Peters is that I didn't get a quote where he directly talks about analytics, but he's using like yards per route run, which is a PFF rate about, uh, you know, the, the rate of effectiveness and value of the yards that a guy can produce divided by the amount of routes that he runs. So rates are always more effective than raw numbers. So that's something that Adam Peters used. And then he used uh, uh, one of the, he used like an advanced metric for offensive linemen to justify taking Aaron Banks in the second round about this guy ranks in the 93rd percentile against play action. So my whole point with this is if these GM candidates are very analytically driven and they're kind of forward thinking, I'll tell you what, there's a part of me that wants to think that Joe Judge behind the scenes is a little forward thinking, but in game management, he was the furthest thing from forward thinking and aggressive. And if yeah, the that's, fourth downs were pathetic. Yeah, the, yeah, the fourth downs, the fourth downs were bad in 2020, but at least he someone had the excuse of oh, bad offense. All right, blah blah blah. Twenty even we this we debunked that, you know, like up until yeah. like I think it was the Bucks game. Every fourth down and like four or five or less, I went through it all when it, the when the ball was made in a decision for Daniel Jones to either scramble or throw the ball. They were like nine for nine or something like it. Yeah. Literally every single one. So they were good on fourth down, and Daniel Jones is per- Daniel Jones is I, I don't know what the numbers this year, but Daniel Jones in twenty twenty was really good on third down and fourth down. I think his numbers were good. Maybe the maybe on third down the uh, conversion, conversion rate, rate was average. The raw stats looked kind of decent. 
Well, you want to know why they look decent? It's because the Giants are in third and long constantly. So that's why maybe that's why the stats look decent. But neither here nor there. Joe Judge pairing, you know, pairing Joe Judge. We're talking about it again. Pairing Joe Judge with the forward-thinking GM. Just uh, odds are, just I can't, I could not see that working. Cannot see it working. Where Joe Judge is so seems to be so behind in certain things, in-game management, and maybe the way that he sees offense, and just bringing a guy in here who from San Fran. Buffalo, where you can't get more of a polar opposite than really even include Joe Horitz in this. You can't get more of a polar opposite than Buffalo, the 66% throw rate, and then Baltimore and San Fran, two of the more run-heavy teams in the National Football League, two teams with very unique schemes and unique ways of running the ball, but there are very few teams that can do what either three of those teams can do. There are very few teams that can throw the ball whenever they want, and there are very few teams that can run the ball at will. So that's why it's exciting bringing those guys in, and it wouldn't have been exciting to pair them with Joe Judge. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, the Garrett stuff was totally totally screwed Judge, and Freddie Kitchens was more aggressive in passing concepts um, with, you know, these last six weeks, seven weeks because their Jones played the one game. Obviously, wasn't aggressive just overall, like you know, versus run pass and, and you know, and stuff like that. Um, but he was aggressive in pass. Call. But it's like Joe Judge hasn't shown anything. And you look at some of his quotes of you know, no guru scheme, punch you in the mouth for six minutes. That Joe Judge hasn't like earned the right to be like, no, like this is my offense. Now they he earned the right to do that this season, and they didn't let him. You know, so uh, and he. But here's the things I'm gonna kind of miss about Joe Judge. Actually, you know what? We you I told you to remind me. You know what? You know what's funny? I actually You're such a as right when you were going to finish that point, I was going to say, "Do take let's take a little bit of a break and we have to do something." Okay, so we haven't announced Patreons on the last two podcasts. We got a lot. We got Vincent Connors. I feel like we may have said him, but I don't care. I don't care. You're getting no. doubled up, Vinny. My cousin Vinny. Mm. Sourced up. Joe U. Just Joe U. Hey, uh, remember when you said, uh, you know, that guy was uh, Joe Shane, and I said it wasn't Joe Mama, and I ratioed you? That was hilarious. Yeah, you know you know what's really great? Joe Shane, my, my, first, my first tweet where I tried to play a little bit of a source game. You did hindsight source, though, because you were afraid to do it in the moment. I was afraid to do it in the moment, Buffoon. and I should have just, sw- just done it. Um, you but you then didn't get you, second confirmation. You ratioed me, and... That sucked. My first time attempting to break something, and you ratioed me with the we Yo didn't Mama break joke. It. Scott Mitchell, I'm Scott Mitchell, and I have a, a you know I wear collars and ties. Get over yourself, Scott. Eric with no name. He's a horse with no name. And then speaking of no name, the next guy's just anonymous. Mm-hmm. What was the name of like that web hacker group? Was it called Anonymous? It was just called Anonymous. Yes. Those are like the one people on the internet I was like scared of. Like no one else on the internet <laughs> scared me except for those people. They're coming after you. Christopher Heller. Anytime I see the last name Heller, I think of Helen Keller. Sure. And the Bo Burnham Helen Keller song is just hilarious. Jake Lowe. He's actually um, related to a guy named Curtis Lowe. Carter Nelson. Coach Carter. Chris St. Clair. That feels like a Minnesota name. Amon Ross St. Brown. We got Andrew Lord. I am Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. Uh, Joe Esposito. I know I know people with the last name Esposito. Joseph Joe Esposito, Esposito is on Twitter, and he's a very good follower of us. Maybe that's who uh, I'm, I'm being... Austin Iannetta, who's been like an... Insta- I recognize him from Instagram. Austin Iannetta has, is also a good follower of ours on Twitter. He looks exactly like Dylan Rivera, and I get them confused constantly. I haven't heard from Dylan in a while. I miss him. Max Doomsday. Um, Monday felt like Doomsday. It's not. And AJ Indovina. Um, what's like the, uh, what's like the, the, like the, the weed that Joe Rogan jokes, like says about Ind- Indica, Indica, you got, Joe, you got Ind- me, Jamerson, Jamerson Tyone, just get rid of the R, just be Jamerson. And then AJ Austin, he's from Austin, Texas, Justin, who are all these people? I may have to burp patreon.com. By the way, they, they all are getting stickers, but I just well, had to order stickers today cause I ran out. So don't. Don't panic. I burped as you explained that. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. So many patrons. It's kind of crazy. Thank you all so much. You get access to watch the shows live as you record them. So today, today that's kind of big. 
A day like today where Joe Judge is fired, you don't have to wait till 8 a.m. For, um, for the YouTubes. You don't have to wait till 11 p.m. or midnight on the podcast apps or the morning when you wake up. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Bobby will send you some stickers, stickers, access to shirt raffles a couple times a month. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. Also, Patreon people, because I'm a little bit of ahead of these GM videos, everybody likes these GM videos I'm doing, they're going to be getting two GM videos access early, like like 24-hour access early. So if you want possibly access uh, to uh, get videos accessed early, go to the Patreon. How about that? All right. Now here's why I am a little bugged that this didn't work out for Joe Judge. It's because I do think there are more pros and cons for Joe Judge. You know, the coordinator that he was allowed to hire and made assistant head coach was Patrick Graham. And those guys were tight-knit. And their working relationship worked really well. Worked really well. Um, now, I hope we get Vic Fangio, which, which would be an upgrade over Patrick Graham. But, you know, we're losing Patrick. And it's not even necessarily about losing Patrick Graham, but it's like that was a good working relationship. And the hope was always like, man, when he does get his OC in here, you know, if Joe Judge was kept, it's like, maybe it can be that. Maybe maybe it can be that. A forward-thinking guy who makes changes and adjusts and, you know, studies things around the league. You know, even Patrick Graham in his press conference last week when they asked him about, like, you know, what do you do? He's like, oh, I love watching the playoffs. I really do. I love football. He's like, and I look for the teams I'm going to go and study and steal from, you know, which is, I think, what every great coordinator should do. And Patrick Graham did that this year, you know, incorporating more of the two high looks. Um. We talked about Dave Gettleman yesterday. Dave Gettleman was a bad GM. And he was a bad GM, not even just in the people and the players he got throughout the draft, for the most part, but investing in the wrong things. You know, the best players are bought through free agency. And we, besides Galladay, I think we've liked the way the big the big money guys have like performed under Joe Judge. Like Leonard Williams played a lot better under Joe Judge and Patrick Graham than he has anybody else. Blake Martinez was... You know, people, Blake Martinez was like everyone's like favorite player to hate. He balled out under this coaching staff. James Bradbury had career years under these two. Adore Jackson, who if he plays the whole year, is probably the defensive MVP. You know? Um, and, and again, like Galladay was the one like big money guy that just didn't work out. Even, you know, you look at Booker or, or you know, Austin Johnson. Now, Kyle Rudolph, it, Kyle Rudolph is a bad one. Um you know that, like that's that's a stain on 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 both on both Judge and and Dave Gettleman. But for the most part, uh, like I can't, I, I, Dave Gettleman was a bad GM, and he had bad personnel and the worst offensive line in in the league. You know, from what people say, you know, and if and if it's not, it's because Andrew Thomas brought the level up because four out of the five were horrible. Like they're all backups. We talked about it yesterday. Matt Skur was cut by the Dolphins in camp. The Dolphins had a horrible offensive line this year. Billy Price was on a bad Bengals offensive line last year. Like a bad like remember how we were watching the Bengals offensive line last year? It's like Yes. Dude, Nico Lelos is winning reps like consistently versus these cats. Carter Coffin's winning reps consistently versus these dudes. And we like our our edge room that was like the best game was against the Bengals. Billy Price, who was drafted in the first round by that team in year three, was a backup. A backup. He had that first round bias on a bad offensive line. He couldn't start. Will Hernandez, horrible. Nate Solder, Solder was already bad. Well, guess what? He came up bad and washed up this season. A horrible offensive line. Injuries galore. Like, he he got screwed by Gettleman and the injuries, which is, like, you know, outside of his control. And I don't blame, like, they had great injury luck in 2020 and then the worst luck in 2021 where they, you know, they stayed, like, really healthy in 2020. We love the way, like, so there's this New England stigma of, like, they come in and they do it their way. But the people who say that, they look at Matt, like Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, and Bill O'Brien. Which Bill O'Brien may have been a good coach. He was a, a bad GM. But like Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels were assholes. And like very noticeably. Joe Judge coming into the Giants and like, hey, this is the way we need to do it, is good because of how broken the Giants were. You know, firing scouts like Steven Verderoso. Like I didn't want Joe Judge to get along with all the lifers in this organization. And he fought those battles. And we, me and you know that, Justin. He fought those battles that needed to be fought. You know, and he didn't, I don't think he always had Dave Gettleman on his side. And that was the, that was the one like saving grace. If they did bring a GM, it's like, maybe we got that one, two punch of both guys, like saying, this is what needs to be fixed. 
And again, dealing with John Mayer as an owner, stubborn as can be, bringing back Jason Garrett. And I do think Joe Judge is a smart young coach. And he made mistakes. And he needed to figure things out. And I, But I think our opinion on him is totally different if he got his own OC. You know, we talk about guys improving and coaching. You know, Mark Colombo was a horrible offensive line coach. And not me just saying that is like, oh, look, like when people, like there are people who bash Rob Sale and maybe he deserves it. Like, oh, look, the offensive line's bad. Rob Sale's bad. I don't necessarily agree with that. Mark Colombo's ways of trying to fix Andrew Thomas were unreal. His ways of trying to fix Andrew Thomas was by working on his hands and trying to teach him tricks that five, four, five-year vets start doing. Like stuff that Thomas, who had a good year, started adding to his repertoire the last couple weeks. Where Joe Judge, under the tutelage of, of Coach Gooch, and I know they were talking on the phone after that Eagles game, it was like, dude, just get his inside foot right. You know, I'm not, and and that was reported that like, hey, Joe Judge has actually since the Eagles game has been working with the offensive line more, and we saw the run game get better. They changed the run scheme. You yeah. know, they're like, we can't run this outside zone. We don't have the dudes to run this outside zone. Let's get to this gap scheme. We saw the run game get transformed in 2020. He handled players very well in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We know that. Now, did players lose? Uh, did he maybe lose some players this last six weeks? Yes, but that's because you know the the play on the field was so bad, which is what we need to judge him on. So I just think he was totally screwed by this franchise, and I don't have a negative opinion on Joe Judge. I don't. I think he got screwed by this franchise, and this it's the one hundred percent right decision to move on from this guy. But I think all the reasons why we like Joe Judge coming into this season, I still believe in almost all of those. Yeah, I still believe in almost all of those, and I, I think he got screwed by this franchise. Yeah, I mean, just the unfortunate thing about Judge is most of the things that we like Joe Judge for or most of the things you can compliment him on, just there are things that you just can't see. There are things that we can't see and things that we can't fully but judge. There on is the some things field. we can see. I mentioned the gap scheme, the fixing of Thomas. Yeah, like but that. I mean, yes, yes. So there there are some things, but I think the major things are, the I defense. do think I do think Joe Judge came in and, and shook up John Mayer a little bit. I do think he came in here, and I do think he he shook up this Giants organization a little bit. He saved Dave Gettleman's job by a year. You know, yeah, he, that might he, be his biggest flaw. He saved Dave Gettleman's job. <laughs> really? He saved Dave Gettleman's job uh, by a year with the with like a, a bottom-tier offense in 2020. You know, and if you and if you were to tell me that the Giants were going to have a a bottom tier offense at the end of 2020, but you still somehow were going to be sort of pseudo excited about the direction of the team. And you were going to like the roster. I'd be like, well, you're crazy, but that's, that was the state of things. That was the state of things. And that was the reality of things. So I almost don't even think John Mara tears it down. Like he just did without Joe judge kind of in his ear and saying that he should change things, which is kind of crazy that Joe judge, Joe Judge is like, again, another head coach that is a sacrifice on John Mara's road to self-discovery about what is, what's needed to be right. Look at the 2020 and 2021 offseasons. Now, maybe you could, you could say 2021, they overspent. They went for it when they shouldn't have went well, for we it. Well, we liked them. But even the most negative people were on board with Joe Judge. The most negative people in this fan base, who have every right to be that negative, were like, everyone... Not everyone, you know, was snacks and calling him, you know, Tom Coffin and Bill Parcells. The Messiah. But everyone liked him. There was there was there was one percent of the fan base who didn't like Joe Judge. And I don't think that was based on nothing. Now, did do we get overexcited? Yeah. You know? We're fans. But I don't I regret the things that made that. me like Joe Judge. I yeah. don't. I don't. Um now this is where it's like the fan base loved Joe Judge. Like you got mad people got mad at you more so than me, even though I was quietly agreeing with I agreed with you less, but I agreed with you. With the fourth down stuff. And people are like, oh, you know, you can't, like, it's, it's not about, like, and you were the first person calling that stuff type of stuff out, you know? And so it was like, it's not, it wasn't just like, oh, we went full bloom in love with this guy for no reason. Like, there's very real reasons, you know? And Snacks is in the chat, and I love throwing shots at him, but it's true. He'll never get a HUD coaching gig again in the NFL. Like, it's, I see people sucks. saying, like, he'll, he'll, like, he's never going to get, it's never going to happen. He's not a, a, a play caller. It'll never happen. Um, this Giants team was too bad, you know, so I'm not like the one like, oh, he's going to get a head coaching line down the gig. Like, he's, no, he's never going to get a head coaching gig in the NFL again. Maybe in college. Maybe if he goes crazy in college, he can do it. But, uh, and I'm not saying he even should, honestly. He was but offered the Mississippi State job. Should have took it. <laughs> um, but I don't know if anyone's turning around Mississippi State. But long story short is I don't have a, ne I don't have a negative opinion of Joe Judge. 
I don't have a great like huge positive opinion on him, but I don't have a negative opinion on yeah. Joe Judge. And this is on the and this is on me. I mean, you heard me yesterday. I was saying they have to fire this guy. They yeah. have to like demanding it. But I I don't I don't hate Joe Judge. Yeah, it's about committing to a process and it's about doing things the right way and committing committing to something to something where the Giants haven't committed to anything except just oh maybe maybe hope hoping right. And I talked about that last episode. Just they they've committed to hoping things can turn out all right. Yes. As opposed to keeping judgment been based on hope and not as logic. opposed to we're actually going to work to get there. So I think we did hit. I I think we hit the points, Bobby. Uh, I I I think well, we, we do. Did. We didn't hit the DraftKings ad. We did not. But I have some. <clears throat> I have some uh, head coach odds to talk about. Just well, let's to throw let's it out read. There. We got head coach odds. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Countdown to the Super Bowl 56. New customers can give 56 to 1 odds. Oh, that's why they're doing 56, is because of the Super Bowl 56. They just wow. put that together. On any wildcard team, team to win their uh, win their game, bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. I don't get the 280 number. Key talking points. Feel free to make your own. Okay, DraftKings. That's right. Bet just $5 on any NFL playoff game, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give new customers an additional $280 in free bets if the team that they choose win theirs games. They said that feel free to make your own points. Cyberbullying isn't going to get Chris Mayer and Tim uh, uh, Tim McDonald out of the building. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. That's JOHNBOY. Not like John Boy in a John Boat. It's J-O-M-B-O-Y. And get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NFL. So Plaxico Burris said Lewis Riddick for GM. I was going to make the I'd rather shoot myself in the leg joke, but I was like, everyone else is going to make it, so I'll just leave it alone. All right, so here are some betting odds for the Giants head coach as of right now. I mean, I I, you want, I think this is pointless. These when we don't, don't mean have, anything, but just do it. It's it's pointless when you don't have a GM, but let's just do it. Brian Dabble and Eric Bieniemy are both plus 300. Doug Peterson, Jim Harbaugh, Byron Leftwich are all plus 500. Jim Caldwell, plus 550. Kellen Moore, plus 650. Todd Bowles, plus 700. Patrick Graham, plus 900. Brian Flores, 14 to 1. Josh McDaniel, 16 to 1. Word up. Um, I really haven't even thought about the next head coach. I just, the only thing I thought about is I want Vic Fangio as my defensive coordinator. I've, actually, I thought about Brian Dable because of... Uh, because of Joe Shane, but I don't know who the 49ers connect would be. The Ravens, can I be honest? And you remember, Wink was my guy in 2020. He's not even on here. But he's, but you know, because of the Joe Horitz thing, like Wink yeah, has been, yeah. I, you know, I gotta go look at stuff, but I don't think I'm in on Wink. Like, I think the Ravens defense is a type, like, it's a, it's a very, like, type defense. And, you know, in 2020, we, we had DeAndre Baker, and I did, we didn't know we'd have James Bradbury or Logan Ryan. So it's like, all right, we're going to blitz and play some man coverage, bump and run. You know, we're going to have guys that are going to take chances. I don't think we have the personnel for that. One, I just don't know if he's a head coach. Like, he, listen, like, he just seems like a coordinator. Like, it's, it's such a simple, like, sports radio take, but he just seems like a coordinator. Is it like Rex Ryan? Like, he, good coordinator and maybe not a head coach? Because he was with the Ravens. Well, yes, but not for the same reasons. I actually think Rex Ryan was actually good at being like a head coach for the most part. He just mm-hmm. his offenses sucked. Um, you know, like I thought, like there's different ways to handle stuff. I didn't mind the way J- Rex Ryan handled himself as the Jets head yeah. coach. Let me and- let me counter argue the the type point because one of the things that I found out the 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 main difference between Adam Peters and Joe Shane is in their approaches to types and when they're scouting players, when they're evaluating players, particularly college players, Joe Shane of, you know, of the Buffalo bills, the assistant GM, he's gone on record and he said that bill Parr, you know, he, he cited a bill Parcells quote, but basically said coaches come and go. So you need players that fit versatility. 
that fit that maybe can fit multiple schemes schemes right because you have you may have a coordinator that's really good one year and then he gets promoted hired somewhere else and then there's a whole entirely new scheme so then that player was he pigeonholed he needs to be versatile adam peters is kind of the opposite where adam peters he said one of the things that i've learned from kyle shanahan is really really communicating with the head coach about what kind of player he looks for. Kyle Shanahan is very, very specific, and the and the most notable example is how the San Francisco 49ers drafted George Kittle. I think when Adam Peters was with the Denver Broncos and when he was working in scouting and player personnel with them, maybe they had like a fifth-round grade on George Kittle, but then... Peters comes to the 49ers, talks with Kyle Shanahan, says, Kyle Shanahan, I want my tight end to fit this kind of mold. I want my tight end one to be like this. I want my tight end two to be like this. And then George Kittle, his draft grade is bumped up to a third round, a third round grade. But they draft him in the fifth round anyway, because they knew that he was going to be there. Obviously, looking back hindsight, they probably don't wait that long. But now George Kittle's breaking NFL records left and right. So the whole point is, maybe there are certain NFL GMs and NFL coaches, and I don't think this is a good way to go. I actually like the whole versatility point that Judge and Shane both preach. But Ravens, the type thing has worked. We looked because at because they're uh, the Ravens, though. But and we, also we, they gave up the most yards. I know they had guys hurt and stuff, but they gave, they gave up the most yards in the NFL. I think this year, passing wise, we looked at that defense. But you can't event. adjust from what the Ravens do, though. Like you can't. Like it's it's cover zero and cover one blitzing. Like it's yeah. just we're gonna blitz, blitz. Like you can't adjust. Like there's no adjusting from what they do, you know. And maybe you could, but Wink Martindale. I don't think I don't know if he's gonna be that guy. So and I'm, I'm, and this this is very like surface level stuff right here. You know, once we get it, once what we get a GM, was, we'll go way not, deeper in the head coach stuff. My again, you have systems. I'm not saying you just like oh this guy. Like you know you have systems. You know if we get a wide zone like offensive coordinator in here, yeah. It makes Tyler Linderbaum a, a lot more valuable than he would in a, a gap scheme, you know. So it's like obviously you play to that type of stuff, but I I want I want schemes that are adjustable, you know. Not I agree you know, with you. You have your scheme, but they are adjustable, like Patrick Graham. I one hundred percent agree with you. Um, and that that is the main thing that I found to be different from Adam Peters and 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 Joe Shane. And I'm going to be looking at Joe Hort soon, but uh, that's the main difference where. Peters really talked about how we're going to make a player fit. Now I guarantee he's not. Shanahan just... runs that like he runs that better than anyone. He coaches that better than anyone. Right. right. So I understand. And, yeah. Like if I had Kyle Shanahan, yeah, we're doing that. I just don't know if I'm doing that for Wink Martindale as a head correct. coach. Correct. 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 I'm, and I'm not saying Wink's not a good DC. I do think he's like there's a reason I really liked him in 2020. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. I just don't know if he's a head coach. Um, and if I want to err on the side of a coordinator, it's going to be offensive. Um. Yep. So, I just want Vic Fangio as our defensive coordinator. I, I that's that's the one thing I flat out know. Are you back in on possibly being open to a head coach that also calls plays? I'm kind of not. I I want most coaches do. I know. I know, man. <sighs> I mean, let's go through all the top teams in the NFL. The Packers coach calls the plays. The Rams coach calls their plays. The Bucks they don't. Um. But they're coming. That's a, a head coach who did call plays for a long time. Yeah, long time. Yeah. Um, on the AFC side, what do we have? Andy Reid. Andy Reid calls his plays, and that's why a guy like Eric Bieniemy scares me, because like he would be a head coach for the first time and calling plays for the first time. Sean McDermott calls the plays on defense. Like the best coaches call their plays. Like I'm not Joe Staley. Of that. Not not calling Joe Staley one of the best coach. Joe Staley calls plays on defense. Joe Staley. Who's Joe Staley? Chargers. Brandon Staley, oh, Joe sorry. Joe Staley. Brand, okay. Oh, Brandon. Okay. I, I, like, I called him Joe, Joe Staley. Brandon a tackle Staley. for the 49ers? Yeah, yeah Brandon yeah. Staley. <laughs> call, you know. So, uh, most most coaches, the top coaches call. So, that that is no trepidation. If you could get, like, a good – but we just we just did that with Judge, and he got screwed because he couldn't get his play caller. I still, I still just have a little bit of you know PTSD from McAdoo and Shermer, where eventually they have to give up their play calling duties. That that's where that comes from. But you make a great point, and I'm you got to get the I'm right one. You. Correct. Got to get the right one. Like that's why, yeah. like you know, when we talk about like drafting, like like okay, when people say like 
oh you like like the 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 last year's first round uh trade is right i don't care what this draft pick ends up being traded like whoa you got to get the right players well yeah that's what being a good gm is all about you know yep. like <laughs> you have to get the draft picks right but like doesn't mean the trade was wrong um you know it's just like you're just like you're just bad at like they're two separate things um so um and it's one thing if you if if that bears pick ended up being the 30th overall pick and then so maybe nope. then, then it's not worth but it's it's the eighth it's the seventh overall pick that's <laughs> worth it two we have to get that picks. pick right no kidding <laughs> we have to get the fifth pick right as well so and uh, is there anything else you want to hit on so i guess we'll be back on friday with kind of our gm candidates episode yeah, yeah, GM candidates. Um, it's tough to really find information about these guys if they're not assistant GMs or if they're not hot commodities. That's why we're talking so much about Horitz, Shane, and Peters because those are the hot commodities. The uh, Two out of the three are assistant GMs. And honestly, I'm rooting for one of those three guys to actually get the job because – I want the podcast to be good, and I don't want the GM. Well, I'll probably hired. end up on those three guys as well too. Just I think they're probably going to be the best. Um, and we'll interview like someone who covers the team of whatever, like, you know. Yeah. When we hire yeah. a GM, we will have an interview uh, from someone who covers that team to get a better idea. Because like, absolutely, uh, a 49ers podcast could do a bunch of research on Kevin Abrams, but we can tell them about Kevin Abrams stuff that they're never going to find out on the internet. So yeah. All right. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday, uh, barring an, another emergency podcast. Welcome to a new era. Get excited. You know, like I said, I was I was not excited about this GM uh, search until Joe Judge was fired. So get excited about a new era. We got to get this right. But that's like I said about the draft. That's what being a good football team is about is getting decisions like GM, head coach and draft picks, blah, 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 getting that stuff right. So you got it right with this podcast. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back when we're back, probably Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.